WV Uncommonplace. This podcast is a variety podcast that houses numerous series to cover mental health, empowerment, podcast framework, and various intimate theories to get to know the hosts. Along with occasional movies, reviews, and dives in pop culture with our event podcast episodes. The Uncommonplace digs into bringing guests on that stories don't fit the mold and are very different. WV stands for the great state of West Virginia and every quarter we cover something in West Virginia. Stacy and myself JR are your hosts so please come along for this venture to Uncommon Place. Alright. Howdy everybody. I am JR from West Virginia Commonplace. Today I have with me Jan Hardy. Now, Jan Hardy has numerous titles. I will let her introduce herself in just a moment, even though I already introduced her. Um, one thing that's nostalgic about this show, and I am talking a little fast like an auctioneer, even though I'm a mountaineer, is this right here. We ask the question, who is the person or whom are you? So, Jan Hardy, real fast, please tell us who you are and give us an interesting tidbit about yourself that no one knows. Okay. So I'm a mom of seven. I've been homeschooling for 23 years with eight or nine left to go, depending. And I'm married to a veteran. And one thing that people don't know is that I have given birth to children in four different decades, which is crazy. 80s, 90s, 20s, and 2010s. Um, it worked out because it was 89 and then 2011. So it, yeah, by the time I was 43, I had done that, which is pretty wild. Um, and no, I didn't start as a baby. I was 20. <laughs> um, and then I also am a podcaster and a author and a speaker, and I like to build communities. Bring okay, people together. okay. Building communities. That's a strong thing to do there. It takes a lot of, I use the word fortitude on the show quite a bit. It takes a lot of that and a lot of gumption too, because you're from the South too. She does range from the SEC, which is Southeastern Conference, even though I'm an ACC guy. Um, we don't talk too much football, but Great to have you on the show. Now, the questions that I ask, they're, they're all over the place. So let's start with the first one. Give us the story of your early childhood. What made you Jan Hardy today? What happened back then to make you who you are now? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, well, I had on the outside a very idyllic childhood. I had um, my dad had his own business. He had an office at home, which back then a lot of people didn't have. We went to the beach every weekend. We had a cabin in the mountains. We got the DeLorean, you know, the whole spiel. It was very cool. It was a pretty cool childhood. Yeah. Um, I got to go to high school the first, you know, the first day and like open the door up in front. It was really nice. But the flip side of that, that nobody knew was I was raised by two alcoholics. And so behind closed doors, it wasn't as pretty as it looked on the outside. So. Okay. And, and, and it's good to know that because that made you human there. So go into the deeper detail. Let's learn more about Jan. What happened with your parents? And how did you take whatever happened inside the house and keep it in closed doors when you went into society? You know, that's a thing. Um, because one of my parents is also a narcissist. And so you learn early on to hide everything. So everything was very behind closed doors. In fact, my house was a destination for field trips for my school in elementary school. Like that's how crazy it was. It was really cool, but nobody knew like in the darker side, you know, kind of a thing. But the unfortunate part of that was that I carried that with me. And I thought that was normal, right. For people to scream at me all night long and call me names and then tell me they love me in the morning. And so for 39 years, I tend to attract, I tended to attract people that treated me that way because 
that's what I thought love was. And uh, finally, I, I, realized that things were happening to my children that weren't okay. And so I decided to change the way I was doing things. And, um, and it's amazing. Once I broke free from the people that were like that, I realized, Oh, that was not normal, you know? And so I was able to change my life and realize what normal was because before that I only knew what I didn't want, but I didn't know what I did want. If that makes any sense. Yes, it does. And I've oh, learned what I I've learned what I do want. And I've learned that I love people that are unhealthy. I have a, a heart for people who are broken. We're all broken in some way. Um, and I really love the, the notion of the Japanese. I can't think of the word, but when, when they have a cracked dish, they'll take gold and they'll, they'll fill it in with this expensive gold and they'll keep it together because that, that gold crack is what makes that dish what it is now. And so I like to think of my life that way. So it felt very broken before, but now we've put it all back together. And I did have the opportunity to marry the most incredible man in the world. And, uh, and so that's been really great to see what life can look like from this perspective. And so it was interesting because, you know, I grew up with all these material things and then I lost them and I lived, I mean, I was on food stamps for a while and everything. Like I've seen both sides and now we live on this little Island in Florida and we have, you know, we can see the rocket launches from my front yard and all these things, but it's not, you know, a mansion on the beach either. It's a nice middle of the road, whatever. And, it, and so it's nice because I feel like I've gotten to see all the different things and decide out of all that what I really want and what I really don't. And so here I am. And I like that. That right there in a nutshell, everybody, she made herself personable without me doing my Barbara Walters 2020 questions. So that was an amazing there. Now, you said something that interests me. I love everything, books and everything else, but you said podcast. And podcast is something that we both know very well. Um, a long time ago, I had this series called Podcast Collide, where I would bring podcasters on to talk about their podcast, and then I'd talk to talk to them about mine. And in doing that show, it was fun for a little while, but it fell off because I realized that my audience is tailored to a certain age demographic, and that age demographic is mine from basically from 27 to 72. And inside that age group, we all have, we all are what we call, I call the used car model. We all have been driven and we're moved a certain way. We don't move any other way because we we know how we want to move. So age is something that factors into what you do. Also, you like to empower women. And I know you empower men too, but specifically women over 50. Yeah. So please tell me how Fabulous Over 50 got started. Well, it's fun fact. It just became fabulous over 50 a couple of months ago. So I've been podcasting for five years and I had the Hardy Mom podcast because I have multiple chronic illnesses and seven children. And so navigating that was hard. So I created this podcast, but then I realized again, I started blogging before that. So for eight years, I would introduce myself as a sick mom. That's who I was. And that became like my persona. And after eight years of that, I realized the more we talk and focus on things, the more we become that thing. And yes. I was tired of being sick and tired of thinking about being sick. And so when I was at PodFest, where, you know, last January, I was sitting there and I was saying, okay, I love podcasting. I have this passion for podcasting. We've started a local group and I just want everything to be podcasting. What can I do with my podcast 
and to focus more on that. And, you know, there's podcast movement and podfest. They're taking care of the big groups, right? And then there's she podcasts that meets women in general, but what was missing? And so I looked around during those few days and I thought, you know, it's missing helping women over, over the age of 50, because we tend to be overlooked definitely in the podcasting world because a lot of podcasters they even stop marking the demographics at 54 so they don't even track after that so i thought okay this needs to happen because we are i I, you know back in the day when i was a kid i would think oh once you to hit 50 you just bake cookies and wait for the grandkids to come over you sit and rock in the rocking chair and knit you know your life is over that's what i thought because i think that's what a lot of young people think but now that i'm over 50 i realize no woman that i know over 50 is looking for that life they love their grandkids if they have them don't get me wrong but they want to live they want to experience and so what i'm trying to do is let them know they have a whole lifetime ahead of them they have decades left they can learn things they can start new things and they can podcast if they want to and not only share their knowledge with the world but leave a legacy for their family because podcasting can be an incredible legacy that you can leave so that's how i got started Okay. And I like I'm that. I'm a little bit passionate about it, if you can't tell. <laughs> oh, yes, no doubt. Your, your passion. I, and I say this to the audience and I say this to other podcasters. It's so, I, I wish I had met you when I was at PodFest this past January, because you've got the real similar energy. Um, now, my quick story about you. Um, I had, we had already scheduled the interview, but I got to see you at the virtual PodFest. You hosted uh, a bit of time and I watched what you were doing and talking and different things that you did. Um, and I was amazed. I was like, man, I'm glad that she's coming on the show, you know? And I, I was like, I'm going to do a little research And my research goes in fives. I have to find five episodes, five reasons. And then I got to find five reasons to keep our interview. Cause even though I lock in interviews, one thing about me, if something comes up lackluster about you, I want to study that. I want to find out why that is. Why do you have a lackluster issue? Because to me, that's the brighter point. I don't care about how great you are. I want to find a negative. Couldn't find any negative, but I was like, oh, well, we'll do the interview anyway. So let's dig into this. Seven children over a bunch of decades. Yeah. Basically, let's just encapsulate in my whole life. I was born in 1985. So 1985, well, we can add a few more years on, but basically from 1985 to whenever you kept making children. So what happened at the end of you know, each child, because with me, I have a 14-year-old, and I'm happy he's 14, because I'm like, I'm almost at the end of the road, like the Boys Men song. So you're getting near the <laughs> end of the road. <laughs> yeah, you, you're like almost near the end of the road, you think, and then you have more kids. So tell us the story about how this happened and how you and your husband encouraged each other with all these children. Well, so my youngest son was 11 at the time, and my husband was getting ready to go to Iraq, and because uh, he's military. And we really wanted more kids. And the clock was ticking because I was 40 when we got married. And so, you know, we only had six or seven months until he went to Iraq. So we either had to have a baby before he left or chances were we weren't going to have one when he got back. And we decided to just go do it right and have another one because why not? Life is crazy. And then when he got back, turns out wasn't too late. We had another one after that. <laughs> so um, mortified our older kids. I'm not going to lie because they were teenagers and they're like, uh, our friends are going to know things about you because you had a baby. But, you know, it is what it is. 
I don't know what to tell you. Now, you have numerous titles to you. You have author to your title also. And that was something that amazed me there because I didn't catch that part. I do my research, but I don't do a full circle because I want to have something different to talk about and have an excitement when we come right here. So you have some journals out, correct? Yeah, three journals. Yeah. Could you tell us about those journals? Absolutely. Okay. So this is another thing that I get fired up about. I'm so excited. So I had a five-year journal, a little happiness journal, you know, like a little journal, like normal size, small journal you'd put on your nightstand. Mm -hmm. And then we had this pandemic and I started journaling and it was really cool to have this five-year journal because when 2021 came around, I could see, you know, what I had been writing because it was terrifying. You know, in March, April, 2020, I was writing all these things like what's going to happen? The world is ending. Da, da, da. You know, we didn't know. And then in 2021, I, you know, some days I would say things were better than last year, but then some days weren't. And, and I thought, well, thank God I have this record that I can track every single year, but it wasn't big enough because there's only room. There's a couple lines. There's room for a sentence. Well, that does not encompass a day. And I thought, well, why doesn't anyone do full-size five-year journals? Because then you can write a paragraph or two about what happens every day, every year, and really have your whole life there. And because it's really cool, especially as a parent, you can track your kids or, you know, whatever you do, you can track. And so... I thought, well, I'm going to write one for moms with chronic illness, because one of the things, because I'd already written a book for moms with chronic illness, is that it's hard to keep everything together because you're, you're so tired and mom's already, you know, it, whether you work or stay home or whatever, it's hard to keep everything together. So what I thought I would do is every month there's a prompt and it's an open-ended prompt. So I'm not telling you what you have to do, right? But one month it'll say, you know, get your medical records in order, make a, make a way that you're going to do that. Are you going to get files? Are you going to whatever? And then you can write the year and how you're planning on meeting that one goal. And then the next year you would get back to it and say, okay, did I meet that goal for that month? Did I not meet it? Do I want to continue or do I want to move on to something else kind of a thing? And then I wanted to do one about happiness because everyone's so stressed right now. So I did a happiness one. And then a friend of mine said, well, since you're already doing these and you have the template, why don't you do a business one? Because I know a bunch of business owners and I know that they would love that. And so that's actually my favorite one is the one for business people. Now I did though learn why people don't make a full size five-year journal. And the reason is according to Amazon, it's 2.49 pounds. It is like a huge textbook. So the good thing is you will not lose it on your nightstand. <laughs> the bad news no is it's a whole tree. <laughs> so there's okay. that. Now, um, one thing that I skipped over that I should have uh, talked about, mastermind programs. Yes. The golden circle yes. is what you have. Please explain to the audience about yeah. that, because here's one thing that I want to do real quick, audience. We're going to do a quick shameless plug, because that's something that's nostalgic to the show. So, Jan Hardy, right now, in your most professional advertising voice, please let the audience know where they can meet and greet you across the internet, and then splash into, just dive into the golden circle, please. Okay. I'm Jen Hardy, and you can find me on any social, anywhere at, at the Jen Hardy. Super easy. J-E-N-H-A-R-D-Y. The Jen Hardy, because it was just the easiest. And and you can find my website is jenhardy.net because .com doesn't exist. Someone just bought it to hold on to it. And the Golden Circle is a group 
for podcasting women over 50. So we are the golden circle and we are here to lift each other up to the next level, whatever that is to you. So whether you're just starting out or a professional podcaster, you can join us and go along monthly and we've got speakers, we've got a way to get to know each other. And then there's homework you can do in between if you want, or you can not do that because we're all adults. We can make choices and we're just here to lift each other up and help each other grow because podcasting in the void is no fun. So true. Now, one thing that she forgot to add in here is this amazing thing starts on May 2nd, 2023. Just wanted to add that in there real quick. Now it does, um, but it'll go monthly. So somebody wants to jump in later, they can still come. Okay. So definitely head over to www.janhardy.net. Join the group and become affirmated in a circle of podcasters that is not taken care of. Now, I like to do a few things in podcasts, and I'm sorry that we're going to do this because you have a bright mind. Um, I want to ask some of my old podcast a lot questions to you. Um, one thing that happened to me in podcasts, I told you about one of my disappointments, but I want to know what has been your biggest disappointment in podcasting? Oh, that's a good question. And I'll put my biggest fil- disappointment in podcasting. Go oh, go ahead. Did you? I know. I was just going to put the filler that, out there until you think. <laughs> oh, no, I got it. Okay, go is ahead. That I love my medical gaslighting podcast. I love the idea. I talk to people all the time that say, oh, my goodness, that's happened to me. But when it comes to interviewing people, for some reason, they don't show up. And I don't know why. And that makes me very sad because I think we're at a point in healthcare where we really need to educate people on a, what's really happening out there and B, how to be better patients, because that's something that the podcast teaches that I don't sell up front, but because of the shortages of doctors, of nurses, of equipment, of everything, being the best patient we can be will get us the best care we can get. And until a year ago, I didn't know that I was being a horrible patient and my changing my attitude at the doctor's office has made a huge difference. So that is my biggest disappointment. I really want that to grow. Okay. And I hope it grows too, because I did ask you about that in our pre-call. And I'll say this, my biggest disappointment is not the same disappointment that I had a few months ago or whenever I asked somebody else's question. My disappointment, because I always like to turn the question back around on me, um, is this, is reciprocity from other podcasters. I speak about- Okay, actually, that would be number one. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I love- the network and how friendly every podcaster is. Cause I've got numerous friends. I've got a group. I, this is sad. Um, my biggest, the, one of my biggest friends in this business lives in Tallahassee, Florida. Next one over in Jacksonville, next one, uh, some towns below, uh, then some in California. But what happens to me, and I know this happens to everybody else. I'm the type of person if once I listen to your show, I will promote it in my Instagram stories for days. I don't care if we ever talk again. I'm going to always promote it there. If you drop a show on Tuesday, Thursday, or sometime, I'll do it. If you do it on Sunday, you're on your own. Sunday, I'm off from all podcasting. But when I get affiliated with shows that are even from West Virginia, and I, this is the problem I have with the shows from West Virginia, I will go out my way and show them love. But I want those shows in West Virginia to do the same for me. I don't care if you're in another state, but if you're in my home state, Give me some reciprocity and and me being greedy and some people saying I wasn't greedy. The shows in my state that don't show reciprocity, I put them in my memories museum or my ponytail. They're behind me. So that's how that one goes. Now, my next podcasting question for you 
is how do you handle the editing process? All right, here is my dirty little secret. I use GarageBand. So you got templates and set I know up. That, mortif that mortifies people. I do. I have everything set up. My intro, my outro, everything. Plug it in, cut out the bad parts. And here's the other thing that I've realized for me. Even when I'm doing a solo episode, I do it on video. For some reason, if I see myself or I see you and we're talking... I don't use the amount of filler words and have to start and stop again. I just talk. And so I've learned that I, I record into my video, video, ing, I don't, that, is that a word? Wave.video is what I use. It is right now. Yeah. And so I record into that, download it into GarageBand and go. Yeah. That's how I do it. And see, I like that in the audience. That's what I like there using your Mac. Cause we're talking, I'm on a Mac right now. Now I use logic pro and yes, everybody, I have a bootleg copy of logic. I did not spend three, four, four $500 on it. Not going to do that. I'll let me on the low. Anybody that needs to know how to get it. I'll teach you how to use key gens. But anyway, <laughs> the thing which you do, I love that because you have systems and process. Now me on the other hand, I'm a tougher AI person now. So I use podcastle. It has all the bells and whistles and I'm not affiliated with them. Um, I use them and then I'm lazy about my notes. I use cap show for my show notes. Uh, everybody does whatever they do, but my mind. I use cast magic. Yeah. Oh, you have to send me that in the link. But, it's uh, AppSumo thing. So I got it lifetime for like a hundred dollars. It's whoa. amazing. Yeah. You definitely need to check into that. Mm -hmm. But um, automation has become part of my process. So things come out pretty good. And now the SEO for the show is amazing. So let me ask you about that SEO. Everybody has a clear understanding of what it does, how it works. Somebody even knows about backlinks. I don't know about the true backlinks, but I know enough about SEO, word strength, and all that stuff. What is your strongest hashtag for your show? Can I be honest? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's something we'll talk about don't privately. Know. Yeah, when we talk privately again, we'll, we'll me and you'll go through it in SEO camp. Uh, I need your help. Yeah. Well, it's not that I you need my know. help, but I'll tell you this, like, uh, crazy thing, just off the side note, like I had to learn SEO. So I actually hired an SEO guy and he taught me it. I paid him a nice flat, handsome fee. And we just went from there and then it worked out. Um, so let me make a statement and I want your, your, uh, your uh, response to this. In podcasting, when I started out, I tried to do everything free. I am one of the only podcasters that has an anchor podcast and people shun that in our community. They say that I was whatever you got a free service. So you get free stuff. And then Spotify took it over and has done whatever it's done to it. So I have a different argument to them people. And when I show them receipts, they kind of give me a different answer. Now, do you think it's an issue to start out doing your stuff for free and then eventually moving to paid stuff? Because I'll tell you this, this is what I had to do. The microphone, I'm a zoom guy. So everything's zoom. Before, I didn't have XLR mics. I was using USB. I was the Yeti King. They called me the Yeti King. I had seven Yetis, even spray painted one. And I lived and died by the Yeti because I knew how to work it. And I still keep one when we do small shows, if it's just me on the road, because I don't want to carry all this stuff. Somebody might rob me. But when you started out, did you spend, my, my question to you is, did you spend a lot of money on all your equipment starting off? Or did you start off at a certain point and get to where you are now? Dude, I've got seven kids, so I started off completely free. So my son was going to start a podcast. That's how I heard about it in the beginning. 
and he had bought a NT, a road NT USB. And so he let me borrow it for a while. I ended up giving him money for it because, you know, he's a teenager. I used my Mac. I used GarageBand. I, I paid for Libsyn, their cheapest plan. And no, everything else was completely free. And I know I don't have a pro. I think that is the way to start because why would you make all this huge investment and then hate podcasting? Right. That right. doesn't make any sense. So, and also no matter what equipment you have, you're going to hate your first few episodes. If you go back and listen, once you've been doing this for a while. So it doesn't matter because you're not going to know exactly how you're going to want to set everything up until you do it. So absolutely. I say start, unless you just have tons of money sitting in your house and you want to spend it. That's, that's my personal thing. Yeah. I like that. I, I encourage people to start for the least amount of money. And that's what I tell them to like start low because I said, the thing is, is that I never worried about the quality of episodes because if you're a professional with your show from the very beginning, people are going to always expect that. So I told them from the beginning, this is an amateurish podcast. The only sound effect you're going to hear is me dropping the microphone. And I even went into depth two episodes ago. I recorded it on my Apple watch. I literally just put the recorder when I knew what I had it all planned out and scheduled. I recorded it on that and I got better reaction than the last four episodes before that. So I learned that obviously I did run it through my, my editor, you know, or my um software to make sure that it came out good, but still. Right. Five minutes, uh, 20 minutes doing the show, five minutes editing. Boom. Now let me ask you this about editing. When you listen to a show personally, would you prefer someone to do distraction editing, which is getting out all the ums, the mouth sounds of, all that, or would you rather them edit for clarity, like, you know, levels of sounds going up and down? What do you prefer, distraction editing or, or uh, actual audio quality editing? Mm, kind of in the middle of the road. If someone says, um, every other word, I'm going to turn it off. But also, if the sound is going to blast me out and then I've got to turn it back up later, that's going to bother me too. So, but a little bit, I'm not really picky. If it's good quality conversation. That's what I want. So I'll, I don't mind sacrificing a little bit of sound quality if what I'm listening to is really good. But if it's, the sound can be perfect. If it's not interesting, I'm done. So that's kind of how I see it. I like that. I like that. Now, off of the podcast questions, seven children, different ages, yeah. different time frames of raising them. You raised them basically from Atari to what we have now. So you've gone through the yeah. sections, you've gone from pay phones to pagers to bag phones or the car phone that we used to have, the big old one, um, to regular cell phones to whatever children are using now because every child's got a phone and a tablet. So has technology ruined the family life? Because you've been through every decade with it, basically. You even actually technically got 89 involved. So I'm from 89 to the 90s. And I can say after 1996, for me personally, after the CompuSurf, when AOL, when you used to get them discs out of magazines or get them mailed to you, that's when I knew <laughs> life was changing. Yeah, I would say absolutely 1,000%. If I could go back and raise my kids 
in the 80s, you know, with 80s style, whatever, I would do it in a heartbeat. And my kids are mortified by that because, you know, how would you know where people are? But back then, when I was a teenager, we knew what our friends were doing so much more because you had to plan your life around what they did if you wanted to talk to them. You know, so I'm going to be here at this time. I'm going to be there at that time. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. But now I don't know. And you knew their phone number which, you know, you don't know anybody's number anymore. I don't even know some of my own kids' phone numbers because I don't need to, but God help me if that, you know, system goes down. But I think there's a huge detriment. So in my family, we do things a lot different. We don't have a lot of that. I started that rule from the very beginning. So even when my older kids were younger and it wasn't a thing, we had a one hour screen limit a day because I think it's so important. And we have stacks and stacks of board games. And that is something we could talk about another day is like all these cool games, because there's so many new games out that make it more fun for kids who are used to using tech because they go a little faster. But yeah, no, I'm not a fan. I mean, obviously, I use a lot of tech for what I do, but as a parent, not a fan. Definitely have to introduce you to Stacey because we have games galore. We are Monopoly collectors. We collect, collect them from all states, um, board games, and then some of that tabletop stuff we have, but we don't play all the tabletop. We uh, play sequence, all kinds of games. Uh, Connect Four is our simplest game. Um, the most challenging game is a game of checkers. I know that sounds crazy, but if you play me in checkers. Whew. Oh my gosh. So I tell you what, I have a friend from Russia and we play checkers and their rush, their checkers is all out brutal. Like I've never seen it play like that. They just wipe you out. It's crazy. But um, yeah, and our favorite one in our house is Munchkin. I don't know if you've played that. No, it's like D and D as a board game, and it can okay. go for thirty minutes to an hour and a half. And you just you try to kill everyone, and you can cheat in it, and it's ten kinds of fun. Yeah, we like it. And, and um, I'll tell you this: we went to Lexington, Kentucky, to Comic Con, and the Lexington Gaming Association had all these games out. And I know this really sounds really wrong of me to even put this out there we spent more time in there than we did doing anything else just because we our love of games so let's move on uh jan um jen i'm sorry i said jan my bad <laughs> sorry about that so it's now, a southern thing it's yeah, jen so, or jan depending on who's talking so the amazing part of the show is we have we pay homage to a news magazine that's 2020 everybody knows that if you listen to the show if you haven't listened to the show you catch it somewhere in social media John Stossel has the comedy. Diane Sawyer was the best interviewer on there. Barbara Walters gets her her credit, but Barbara Walters for me in journalistic integrity at 1050 at night, she could do these things to me. She could either send me to bed early because she didn't run over, run over into the news, or she could run over into the news and, you know, you get the news at 1102 or three, or she could give me an interview that's thought provoking and I'll remember it all the way till Saturday in the morning. And this is seven and eight year old JR, the same you know, this isn't four or five or 15 year old JR. This is JR primetime. I've done watched everything on TGI Friday. Time to watch 2020 with my mom. <laughs> or if I was at my grandma, she let me stay up to and watch the news too. So, what they did is they had personable questions, but they had questions that made you more human. John Stossel had that funny part, which I don't do that. We've already done some funny stuff. I've seen a smile on your face at least 4.5 times through this whole <laughs> show, or at least through the whole duration of the conversation. So, here we go. First question. Now, in okay. life, we take care of ourselves. I don't believe in self-care anymore because we've we've pushed that to the limit, but I do believe in self-maintenance. So what does Jan Hardy do for self-maintenance when she moves away from everybody when you have your private time? And some people only have private time when they're in the bathroom because there's so many people around. And I'm not saying that because that's personal. You keep that to yourself that part. But <laughs> what do you do for self-maintenance? 
podcasting. Okay. Honestly, um, it's it's an excuse for me to come into my office and shut the door and have my time, and I get my nails done. I've gotten okay. that done forever. So I that's one thing I go out to do, but at home, yeah, podcasting is my thing. It makes me happy. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm helping people. So, yeah. Okay. Now the next question. It's, it's a weird pe- self-care, but. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I mean, it works for you as long as it, the, the key thing is it works for you. It takes that glass from halfway full and goes all the way to full or half empty, whichever way you feel. Yeah. Um. So, so the next bit of business is here. You um, are out here, you're doing your show, and you get positive and negative feedback. Negative feedback, I prefer more than positive because I know that my show is going to be good if I craft it a certain way, if I go through all my systems and processes and it works. Analytically, sometimes shows bomb. They just do because we can't help trends. We're not, we're not God. So which which criticism do you prefer more a constructive criticism that you can find merit in or just criticism in general the fun fact i've only gotten one negative review (laughs) and it was from someone who didn't listen to the podcast because the thing they complained about was inaccurate they said i should be interviewing experts which i do um and so i think i'd i'd love to get more constructive criticisms so that i could make my show better because but i have to say that i mean good feedback it does feel really good it feels really good i was having a really bad week last week and i woke up to two new stellar reviews and it made my whole day but i would love it if i could have a couple people be a little bit more honest and tell me what could be better i think that would be a nice thing yeah, and I, I like that. I like when someone actually audits my show. Like they listen to at least four episodes, and I'm like, "Hey, I mean, you had four episodes. You did four shows in one week. Two of them were crap. One was subpar, and the one great one you did wasn't long enough." Now, um, your plight in life is to help women over the age of fifty. Um, you have a compelling story because you still have young ones that you're raising. You're raising children at fifty plus. Um, yeah. So having this title and having that kind of pressure on you and the pressure that you have on you is this, that you may not even know this exists. You are not necessarily, it's not that you're setting a precedent, but it's very unheard of for people. You know, when I'm 50, all them children is going to be 20, 30 something, you know, (laughs) at 50, you know, you still have young children. So you you set a whole different mode of means for people because like people try to complain that if you have children later on in life, you can't move adequately at 50 plus or whatever. You're still, you look like you're still moving. You can probably do a cartwheel with a backflip, you know. So how do you take all of that positive stuff about being a parent over 50 and helping people over 50 and not let the negative stuff bother you? And what I'm saying by negative so, stuff. So something. What? So something that we haven't touched on that I know that we talked about earlier before we hit record was that um, a little bit my um, I'm not supposed to be here. So I have multiple chronic illnesses that um, I was I was told in 2018 I'd be lucky to live a year. And so that really changed my whole mindset of everything for me. So now every day that I'm here, I want to do something positive. And so that means 
something positive for my husband, something positive for my children, but then also something positive for the world. And so I even have a podcasting studio set up next to my bed on a hospital table with a boom arm. So the days that I'm not feeling good, I can still do things in there and we can homeschool from the bed and do the whole thing. Because to me, if I stop or slow down, I'm done. So there is no, because people say, how do you do all the things? But I have to do all the things because if I just sit there, I'm going to wallow, which is part of the reason I changed my whole podcast. I'm going to wallow in, oh my gosh, I'm so sick. I shouldn't, whatever, whatever. And then I'm, I'm done. And so that's one thing that too, that I want to share with women over 50 is it doesn't matter. I mean, you could even be on hospice and still have a reason to get up and do things in the morning because there, no one knows when your final moment is. No one knows when your final day is. So as long as I have breath, I want to be doing something. And so, yeah, okay. I don't know if that answered your question. That did answer my question. And I want to thank you for that. Now there comes a part in our show where we like to give a shout out to the people that help us or have helped us form who we are. So please let the world know who have, who are the people or whom have helped you become who you are today. You know, that's a really good question. I think honestly, my kids have helped me. Um, like I said, my parents were both alcoholics before I had my first daughter. I was drinking every day. But the second I thought, Hey, wait a minute, could I be pregnant? I quit. That was it forever. Like done. Um, and because I was raised in the way I was raised, I knew what I didn't want to be, but I didn't really know what to be. And looking back, was I the absolute best parent? Probably not. But I was I, every day I tried to be a better version of myself. And that was because of my children. And so I think, honestly, they've had so much influence and just looking at the world through their eyes and everything's so new and exciting and whatever. And even though you've been through a bad past or you've had a lot of bad things happen, when you really genuinely watch kids and see how they see everything, you get an excitement from that. Um, also, there was a woman in Tennessee and her name is Kim Wolf. She's amazing. Actually, I gave her credit in this other book too, because she just is the kind of person that everyone loves and she's genuine you know, just a genuinely great human or good human. And I just, I love her and my husband who is, I don't know. I mean, he put up with me and all this stuff and it's crazy. And, um, he's a really incredible, incredible man. Okay. And I want to thank you for that. So real quick, one last thing I'd like to do before we jump off here is Jan, Jen, do me this huge favor, and I got to get Jen in my head. I don't know why Jen. I'm thinking about January. You said PodFest, and I was like, January, and then your name, three letters. <laughs> <laughs> so here, um, give everybody a, a, a brief, but a real strong description of your podcast. So Fabulous Over 50 helps women it encourage, encourages, inspires, and empowers them to find their fabulousness, whatever that means to them in their life. So it's not about all the diamonds and flashy cars and that kind of thing that people think of, but it's just finding the best version of your life. What do you want out of your life? You know, what did you want when you were younger and all the dreams that maybe you got gave up in the in the middle of your life that you thought would never happen that you can 
maybe incorporate some of those things and bring them into your life now. And I want to help them get there. And, you know, by the time you're 50, you've got some baggage, you know, maybe a divorce, maybe you've lost someone or a few people or whatever, and you've, you've forgotten how great you are in all that pain. And I want to remind them how incredible they are. And that does lead to one other thing that I'm doing that I would love to talk about because I'm very excited. I do a daily email. It's just a one to two minute video email for older women who are feeling lonely because having my older kids move out and know what it feels like when they don't call. And I thought, you know, if I lived alone, it would be sad, you know, be sad. And my husband's so encouraging and tells me I'm amazing and fabulous and he loves me every day. And so I want to give that gift to other women because I'm getting it. And so that's a part of that too, that I do. But I just want women to know that they're rock stars and it doesn't matter the gray hair and the wrinkles and all that, that doesn't make you less of a person. And our society tends to tell us that it does. And I don't think that's fair. And so I want to be the one voice uh, and hopefully more will join me that tell them that they're amazing. Okay, and I want to thank you for that. And on that note, I am JR, and this is West Virginia and Commonplace. We've had Jan Hardy on here, and we're going to have to have a follow-up episode with her because um, I feel like we were cheated for a little bit of time because everybody knows I do these crazy batch episodes. So definitely we're going to extend the offer out to you to come back on. And um, in the show notes, you'll find all kinds of interesting information. Um, there will be all kinds of links and different things there that will definitely take care of that. And the great thing about that is our guests provide us with what information they'd like us to put in certain areas so that we can get you all to gravitate to whatever they have going on in life. So once again, I had Jane Hardy on. I am JR from West Virginia and Commonplace and we're signing off. So bye everybody. Please follow WV Uncommonplace on Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter, TikTok, where we have some great content, Facebook, LinkedIn, Hit up the merch store at onecommonplace.square.site. Join the email list from the website and rate, subscribe, and give feedback from your favorite podcatcher. And lastly, thanks for listening and tune into the next episode.